is already moving in this place tonight. And we want to just get into the flow. I don't want to stand on the riverbank watching the river go by. But I want to get into the river and flow. Praise God. For it's in the river of His Spirit where the blessing is. That's where the anointing is. That's where the power is. Praise God. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I believe that the Lord has come to meet with us here tonight. And uh, as we remain open to Him and allow His Spirit to stir our hearts and touch our lives, I believe we can leave here changed. The Lord is actually looking in the earth today for men and for women who are willing to lay down everything for him. I believe he's coming very, very soon. And because he is coming soon, uh, he's looking for people who will get involved in his kingdom and help bring the end time uh, quickly to an end. Praise God. He has promised that in the last days he would pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. Praise God. And so that means every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Praise God. Praise God. As we travel uh, the world nowadays, we see people coming from everywhere. And it seems to be like this in almost every country that we travel in. Uh, people are traveling here and there and moving to, to other places. And uh, a few years ago, I was in a shopping mall in downtown Toronto. And uh, I started looking around and I thought, you know what? I could be in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia right now. Because that's the way the world is. People are moving and, and so on. But because of that, they are many times feeling unsettled. And when people are unsettled, they start looking for something that is solid and secure. And I believe we've got something that's solid and secure that will work in any part of the world. <laughs> Praise God. We have the Lord Jesus Christ who is the rock of our salvation. We're anchored to him tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. In honor of the word of God, I would like you to stand with me this evening as we turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah, the 28th chapter, and I would like to read one verse, verse 10, familiar scripture to Pentecostal people particularly, but I want to look at it in a little different light here this evening. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 10, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. With the help of the Lord this evening for a few minutes, I would like to speak on the subject, the unwritten precept. The unwritten precept. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your presence that is in this place. 
And now as we have gathered together in your name, you have promised you would be there. And we do feel your presence. We do feel your anointing. And I'm asking, Lord, now that that anointing would flow to each person that is here. Let the word of God be revealed, Lord. Let a spirit of revelation come. Not only to understand the word of God, but to understand our situation. That we might act upon it. And I pray these things now in the name which is above every name. In that name is Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. A precept is a rule of action written by a judge. In most countries, there is a parliament or house of representatives or some kind of term where it's a, it's a gathering where elected representatives gather and they enact laws. But it's impossible for the lawmakers to think of every possible situation that could occur under that law. As a result, uh, when there is a dispute about that law, it is taken to the court. And there a judge or judges rule on that particular situation and they interpret that law that was passed by the assembly. And uh, when they do that, it in itself becomes law. Because in the future, other judges, when they are making a similar assessment of a case, they will read not only the original law, but they will look at what former judges have written and the decisions that they have come to, their opinions. And so it becomes a part of the law. In this way, the law is expanded. And here the Bible tells us that precept must be upon precept. That means law upon law, and then precept upon precept, and then he said line upon line. That is the interpretations of the precepts. They will come one by one, and uh, they will be expanded as time goes on so that they can fit different kinds of situations. And uh, so if a precept is a rule of action written by a judge, then an unwritten precept uh, by that uh, very idea would be one that is expected but not actually written down. An unwritten precept is something that is not actually written but it is expected. In the book of Matthew, chapter 26 Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he took his disciples there and some of them stayed a little further back but Peter James and John went with him into the garden and he asked them to uh, remain with him in prayer he uh, said I want you to join me because my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death and so tarry you here and watch with me. But I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, and it says, He went 
a little further. In other words, he didn't go just as far as nine disciples went. Or for that matter, he didn't go just as far as Peter, James, and John went. But it says he went a little further. And there is something about going a little further that produces the result. Because if Jesus hadn't gone a little further, he might never have gone to Calvary. And if he hadn't gone to Calvary, you and I would not be here tonight. But Jesus saw the urgency of the hour. He understood the importance of what was taking place. And so even though it came to him at great cost, the Bible says that he went a little further. Praise God. In a sense, he obeyed the unwritten precept. He asked his disciples to pray with them. He didn't tell them to just come along with me. But the expectation, I think, was there. Because he understood in just a few moments he was going to be agonizing. Physically, I suppose the cross might have been more painful. But uh, there is something about mental anguish that can be even more painful than that which is physical. And this anguish was so great that it's, he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. It began to coagulate and come through his, uh, his skin and, and drop upon the ground because the mental uh, torture was so heavy upon him. And he was wanting somebody to be there with him. But he had to go that last little bit alone. He had to press forward on his own. He went a little further. The Bible shows us a number of examples of people who went a little further. And because they did, they uh, were able to produce something that has impacted mankind throughout history. I think you are familiar with the story of how Abram sent his a trusted servant, Eliezer, back to uh, his homeland, to his own people, where he could find a bride for his son, uh, Isaac. And so Eliezer made the long journey. He took with him uh, valuable gifts. And finally he arrived at a well that was near his destination. And as he stopped there, there was a young girl who came uh, to draw water. Her mother, her father, somebody had given her instructions, go to the well and get water. And so she went to the well to obey them. Technically, that's all that she had to do. That was her responsibility. That was the command that was given to her by the person who was in authority over her. Go and get water from the well. If she had gotten that water and come home, there would have been nothing wrong. But we would never have heard about her. But uh, you say, well, what's so important about that? You see, she could have gone a little further and showed or obeyed the law of hospitality. And she could have said, well, here's a man. I'll, I'll get him a little bit of water and let him drink. But uh, the Bible tells us that she went even further. She obeyed the unwritten precept. Because Eliezer had determined in his mind 
The woman who's going to marry my master's son Isaac will be one who will offer to give water to my camels. She will not just get water for her own family. She will not just offer water to me, but she will also take care of my camels. We lived for 30 years in the nation of Pakistan. They have a lot of camels there because we do have a lot of desert area. And uh, uh, they can go, I understand, three days at a time without drinking water because of the uh, container, their hump on the back. And, and uh, they're able to, to carry that. And so I don't know how many camels would be with, with Eliezer, but I'm certain, Abraham being a wealthy man, that there would be many, many camels. And uh, yet she drew water from the well. It must have been a deep well. And so the, the uh, bucket would have to go a long way down and then she would have to pull it up one bucket at a time. But she did it out in the heat of the day. Why? Because she was obeying the unwritten precept or law. There was nobody who said she had to do it. There was no moral obligation that she had to do it. But there was something in her heart that said, I'm going to take care of this man and I'm going to take care of his camels. And so she went a little further and obeyed the unwritten precept. And because she did, she went on to become a type of the bride of Christ. And I'm preaching about her today over 3,000 years later because she went a little further. Because she obeyed the unwritten precept. Praise God. Praise God. In the book of Luke chapter 17, there are a couple of, of uh, stories that Jesus gave, parables, that are very relevant to what I'm talking about. But uh, I would like us to turn there uh, to the book of Luke chapter 17. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 7. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he's come from the field, go and sit down to meet? Jesus said, Who of you who has a, an employee who's working out in the field with the cattle, and he's been working in the, the heat of the day all day long, and uh, he's been working there, and, and though he comes in in the evening, and he said in verse 8, And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup. And gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. He said, uh, you're not going to expect your servant just to go to his room and have his own meal when he comes in from the field, but because he's your servant, you expect that he's also going to prepare your food, and he's going to take care of you before he goes and takes care of himself. Then he said in verse 9, Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I trow not. In modern English, that means I guess not. He said, uh, does he thank the servant because, well, you've been working hard in the field today. You go and take care of yourself first. Go have a shower and have some, something to eat, get something to drink. Then you come and serve me. No, he said he doesn't do that. He expects him to take care of the master first, and then he goes and takes care of himself. And then Jesus said, So likewise you, when you have done all those things which are commanded, 
you say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. What's Jesus saying? He's saying it doesn't matter how hard you have worked. It doesn't matter how many things you have done. If that was your duty to do, you're expected to do it. And if you've done what has been expected of you, you are still an unprofitable servant. Because to make profit, you have to produce more than what you take. And so you have to go beyond the commandment. You have to go beyond the written rule if you're going to see a profit. If you're going to be profitable in your service to God. There are so many people who just do what the Bible says. They do the written letter of the Word. They just do the command that's given to them. They're trying to sneak into heaven doing the le uh, least possible. But tonight I want to, you to know that the Lord has an unwritten precept. And He's looking to see who's willing to go a little farther. Who's willing to obey that unwritten precept. Praise God. For it's those who obey the unwritten precept that change the world. Praise God. They're the ones that the Lord uses and blesses mightily. In verse 11, Jesus immediately goes into another parable. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. In Jesus' day, leprosy was an incurable disease. It was contagious, and people who had the disease had to live separately. They lived together in the community outside the city, Nobody would go near them. Once they had leprosy, they were separated from their family. They were outcasts. And if they were to walk through the streets of the city, they had to shout, unclean, unclean. And there were ten lepers who saw Jesus coming, and they knew that he had healed people. And there was hope in their heart that now he would do the same for them. And so they began to call out to him. And Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priest. In the Old Testament, there was a remedy for coming back into society. And that was if you thought that leprosy had uh, stopped in your body and that you had been healed, you had to go and show yourself to the priest. You had to go through a cleansing ceremony. And then you could be accepted back into society if the uh, priest declared you clean. And so what Jesus was merely doing was repeating what the commandment of the Old Testament. Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, because they were obedient, as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, the disease stopped in their body. It no longer was attacking their nervous system. It was no longer going to destroy and eat away at them. They were cleansed. The disease was gone. But then it said, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell on his face at his feet and gave him thanks 
And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Not once did Jesus tell any of those lepers, Because I'm going to cleanse you, you have to thank me. He never gave that commandment. And so ten of them, nine of them went on their way cleansed. But there was one man who suddenly realized, Something has happened here. I'm going back. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus' response showed that he expected that the other nine should have done the same. Because he said, where are the nine? He had not told them to come back, but the expectation was there. The unwritten precept was that they would come back and say thank you. And so, the Bible tells us that Jesus said to him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Not only was he cleansed, Not only did the disease stop in his body, but he was made whole. If he had lost his nose through leprosy, that nose reformed immediately. If he had lost fingers off of his hand, immediately they were back. The other men went fingerless for the rest of their life. They went toeless for the rest of their life. But this man was made whole because he obeyed the unwritten precept. Hallelujah. 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 I think the Lord is looking for some people to go a little further tonight. We've served the Lord, some of us, for a long time. I received the Holy Ghost January 18th, 1961. It's a long time. But there's something in my heart tonight that's saying, Lord, I haven't done enough yet. I've got to keep going a little farther. Hallelujah. I'm pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not looking back there. I'm still pushing ahead. Hallelujah. Because there's more that I can do for Him. I want to obey that unwritten precept tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 2 that the prophet Elijah understood that his time was coming, that the Lord was going to catch him away. And so, chapter 2 and verse 2, he told his servant Elisha, Wait here, because the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, No, I'm not waiting here. I'm going with you. I'm not going to stay here. Uh, If you're going to Bethel, that's where I'm going. And they arrived in Bethel, and they were there for a while, and then Elijah said to him in in verse 4, he said, Elisha, just wait here, because the Lord now has sent me to Jericho. I've got to move on a little farther. And uh, Elisha said, if you're going to Jericho, then I'm going to Jericho. And he pressed on with him. And finally they came to the, uh, or they were preparing to move on and Elijah said now I'm going to the Jordan and Elisha I want you just to wait here he said no sir if you're going to the Jordan I'm going to because there's something that I'm looking for 
I'm expecting something. And if you're the one who's got it, then I'm going to get it. <laughs> Praise God. You've got a mantle that I want. And uh, so Elijah asked him, what do you want? And he said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, you've asked a hard thing, but since you've come with me all the way to the end, you're going to get it. <laughs> if you can see my mantle falling from the sky when I ascend into the heavens, you're going to get it. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord is looking for some people who are not just going to go to Bethel. Some people who are not just going to go the next step up to Jericho. Thank you. That's not going to just go part of the way, but I'm going to go all the way to the Jordan. Praise the Lord. Because when I go uh, according to the unwritten precept, when I go a little further, that's when I'm going to receive from the Lord what He's promised. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody feel like pushing on a little more tonight. Hallelujah. You feel like reaching out to the Lord, going beyond where you've been before. Hallelujah. There's something greater for you tonight. And you're going to push on in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. It's a very familiar scripture that we know in the story of Ruth. There was a, a man and his wife uh, who felt like they, Elimelech and, and his wife uh, Naomi, felt like they needed to move from Bethlehem where they were because it was a great famine. So they went to a country called Moab and uh, he and his two, his wife and his two sons went after some time the sons got married and then Elimelech died both sons died by this time Ruth had heard that the famine had ceased in her own land and because she had lost everything that she had brought with her to that land she determined that she was going to go home so she spoke to her two daughters-in-law, uh, Ruth and Orpah, and she said, You just stay here. I'm going home, but this is your land. You're used to the customs here, the culture. Why don't you just stay here, and you can marry? And they said, No, 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 we want to go with you. We're determined. We're going to follow with you. We love you, and, and we want to stay with you. She said, Well, even if... If I were to marry again and, and have children, you have to wait a long time before they, they grew up for, for you to get married, and that, that's just not uh, even thinkable. And so, just, just stay here. But they said, no, we've got to go with you. We're going to press on. We refuse to remain here. And uh, so finally, after she pressed them so strongly... Orpah, it tells us in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 14, and they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave to her. Orpah said, okay, I will go home again. She had pressed her mother-in-law to stay with her, but finally all of the logic made her to determine I'm going to go back home again. And so Orpah turned and went into the pages of history and we never hear from her again. But Ruth clave to Naomi. And the Bible says that they went back to 
the land of Naomi to the city of Bethlehem, because Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, nor to return from following after you. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. She said, I refuse to leave you under any circumstances. I know I can stay among my people. I know I can remain here and it might be easier. But there's something in me that says I've got to push on and move into something new. Something that I've never experienced before. And so she moved with her mother-in-law. They lived very difficult lives for a time. But you know the story of how eventually uh, she married uh, Boaz. Uh, near kinsman to Naomi. And uh, they had a son. And uh, his name was uh, uh, Obed. And uh, after a little while, Obed grew up and he had a son by the name of Jesse. And uh, after Jesse was grown and got married, he had eight sons. And the eighth son was a young boy by the name of David. And it was through David that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, was born. It was through his lineage. Why? Because Ruth determined in her heart that she was going to obey the unwritten precept, that she was going to press on a little further. She was going to do something that she didn't have to do, but was really expected. And many times we will do something and we wonder, how is that going to affect anything? But that decision changes not only our life, but it can impact many, many people through the years, throughout history. Hallelujah. I believe today that the Lord is looking for people who are willing to go a little further. He's looking for people who are willing to obey the unwritten precept. Who are saying, I'm going to go beyond what the Lord has commanded me. I'm going to go beyond what's written down there. I'm going to do that which is unwritten. That which is expected but not mentioned. Because it's a test to see if I really love Him or not. Praise God. Would you stand with me this evening? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Yama koshandoro kuhusi anda kapahoti anda kuhushalia. Yatakori yatakamulule amaria shutara lameyo siyando kuhua. Yama tokuhusiya. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Can I say this in the fear of the Lord tonight? We have a good gathering of people here, people who obviously love the Lord. This is the second night that I've been here, so I've met you a couple of nights now. But let me say this, if Perth, if Western Australia, if Australia is going to be reached, it's not going to be reached by doing the ordinary, by following the written command. But it's going to be going beyond 
what the Lord has actually stated, but it's what he's expecting and what he's looking for. He's looking for people today or this evening in this service who are saying, I'm not going to be ordinary. I'm not going to settle for the routine. I'm not going to be happy just remaining the way that I am. But tonight there's something in my heart that's reaching out and saying, I'm going to do that which is unwritten. I'm going to be like Rebecca. I'm going to be like Ruth. Praise God. I'm going to move beyond what has been written. I'm going to obey the unwritten command. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. It's not how much can I get away with, but it's how much can I do. Lord, what can I do for you? Praise God. Praise God. Yamalomokuhushiatakahaya.